Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we have Aaron Montgomery on the show with us. Aaron, great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Aaron is the Chief Strategy Officer of Mission Lane. He is also the co-founder of the publicly listed company, Carlots, that many of you probably know. Uh, We'll be talking about both of those businesses as well as his journey through his career as an innovator and clearly as an entrepreneur. So Aaron, let's just jump right into this. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Absolutely. You know, I, my career, I, my career story started actually quite by accident years and years ago when I was in high school. Uh, I was looking for something to do, do that summer and uh, really just looking to grab any job that I could. So I went to the usual places. I went to McDonald's. I went to, to the mall. And, you know, back then you'd pass out resumes, but, uh, but nobody was picking me up. And I happened to see a television commercial one night and it starred uh, the parents of one of my good friends in high school. And it was a car, it was for a car dealership. It was for a, a store called Gordon Chevrolet in southeastern Michigan. And I said, that's it. When I get to school tomorrow, I, I'll ask Sarah if I could chat with her dad. Maybe he can give me a job and I can yeah. go smoke cars thinking how hard could it be? And uh, to my delight and surprise, he, he actually said, yeah, that sounds great. Come meet me at the store and we can talk about it. And from then on, that's when I got my first start, bought my first tie, got my first pair of nice shoes and started selling cars the summer that I turned 16, then 17, all through college and afterwards with a goal that one day it'd be so awesome if one day I could be a car dealer like Mr. Stewart. And and that path was a circuitous one. It it went a lot of different ways. You know, I, I, I had some fits and starts. I think I had some crises of confidence on how far I could go down this path. Uh, dealerships are a lot more expensive now than they were 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, you know, when, when you when you tell your friends that you want to be a car dealer, you get a lot of sideways faces. Like it's, it's hard to get, get the yeah. kind of support and momentum that gets you there. But I'm glad that I had all that time in between because when I finally got to, uh, to the point where I was really ready to go all in, I got a call, a very fateful call uh, from a friend based in Richmond, Virginia. He said, Aaron, you've been talking about car dealerships since I met you. You started selling cars when you were a kid. Uh, you've worked in dealerships all throughout. You ran some dealerships. And at the time, I was actually working at McKinsey in the automotive practice. He said, could you meet a guy here? He's got this crazy idea of selling cars on consignment. He just wants to talk to somebody who knows something in the business. I gave him your number. Is that cool? And three months later, uh, that person, Mike Bohr, uh, the founder and the, 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 uh, my co-founding partner and the CEO and chairman of Carlots, and I started working on a business plan. Our third partner, Will Boland, uh, I met him not long after. And within six months, I'd moved to Richmond and started the, what would be the adventure of my life. And we spent the wow. next 10 years growing that company until we ultimately listed it on the, on the NASDAQ uh, last month on January 22nd. And it's been, it's been the, the craziest ride from start to finish for me. So, so super pumped about it. That's a, a great story. And uh, what, what a great story, which kind of draws from you know, that, that moment of passion when you start something, you, you get an opportunity, and then 
I would say that a company like Carlots is really kind of a reinventor of that space too. So I guess you can't disintermediate something that you don't understand at first. So you really did understand it. Not only understood it, but it was frustrated by the same things. You know, when I started selling cars in traditional dealerships, I was always annoyed. I mean, there wasn't much training. It was like, hey, go watch this video. Because if you didn't work out, it didn't matter. You were paying right. on commission. You know, it's like if you, the person who was always the lowest on the totem pole, the last desk in the row was always getting cycled through because people would try for two or three months and they either, you know, they either swam or they sank. Um, you know, the, the experience wasn't designed for the consumer. It, it kind of was what it was. And through living that, not only as a salesperson, but later as a general manager where, you know, I try to tell a team, let's treat our customers with respect. Let's, you know, let's show up with a smile. Let's be fair. Let's be transparent and have them go off and do whatever they wanted to do, I felt that frustration firsthand. So when given the opportunity to think through those experiences and then go back, blow the whole thing up and reinvent it from the foundation all the way up into something new, that was an incredible opportunity because yeah. I always had this, what if this, what if you, your salespeople weren't on commission? What if you didn't have to own the car and risk some loss on, on the margin there? What if this, what if that? And Carlotts actually gave me that experience that opportunity to go in and see what what those what ifs with how those would play out. So in my mind, it, it was a great marriage of strategy and, and you know certainly entrepreneurship, but also the operations and really just so what if this dealership, the store, these hubs that we were creating 10 years ago, this is that was my first laboratory. And then we had the opportunity to grow and scale it and test and refine as we went. But it was a it was an amazing experience. I mean, I couldn't have scripted it any better. So so tell before we jump into what you're doing now with Mission Lane, I'd love to just kind of explore a little bit about just the the business model for car lots. So it's a consignment for cars, and just tell a little bit about the about how that model works. Yeah, the core problem that we were trying to solve was you know we would see cars for sale on the side of the road, and they sit for months. And, and people had a hard time selling, but it didn't make any sense. It was like, they seemed like they were attractively priced, uh, but, but people weren't buying those cars. And at the same time, you'd see cars in the dealership, the exact same cars for thousands of dollars more. And, and you ask people, you know, uh, why would a car dealership charge so much more for this car, but the person was not buying the one on the side of the road. And you saw the same, you saw these problems as you, as you kind of thought through this, where if you go to sell a car by yourself, it's a hassle. If you go to sell a car to a dealer, they don't give you much money for it. So you have all this friction on these two opposite poles. So the idea of consignment was, what if I set up a business where you bring the car to me and I sell it for you as though, as I am a dealer. And then that way you'll make more money for that car than you otherwise would. Right. You put in none of the hassle. You're not going to be taking phone calls during dinner time. You're not going to be doing test drives on your weekends. You're not going to meet strangers at the mall. I'll do all that and I'll cut you a check at the end. And the way it works out is, even on the other side for the buyer that had the same hassle, like they don't want to be calling strangers either. They don't want to trust that you've taken care of the car and they don't want to go to dealers and pay this much for the car either. It's a better experience for them. So the consignment model kind of disrupted both sides and allowed us to come up with a way where sellers could get more money for their car and buyers could get more car for that money. And we take a split in between by being the, by, by creating that peer to peer marketplace. And it's just, you know, that, that's kind of how the flywheel got started. But that was really the problem we were trying to solve. And obviously, we I, didn't I love it. I love it. I, I feel like uh, maybe that model could be executed across several other other area, other business areas as well. Well, you, you look and, and, you know, I think I just read that, that ThreadUp was, was doing their IPO. And, and you read about other, other models where, you know, this consignment thing. And I think now, it's too, just broadly speaking, to your point in this, you know, reuse economy, um, you know, there, there might be more appetite for that. But yeah, it seems like it does make a lot of sense when you can yeah. disrupt the merchant model of, you know, almost the pawn shop mentality of this is what I'll give you for it and then I'll flip it and sell it for this. 
and just yeah. say, what if there was a way we could we could level that market out? There, there should be some opportunities. In the yeah, world. I think it's a great business model. So, so I mean, you've dis- disrupted the the car industry, and you've you, you've helped to build car lots over the last decade, and now you're now you're on another mission called Mission Lane. So, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what the goal is there. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you the story there, and, and I gave a bit of an Easter egg in the intro, but. That person who called me and said, I want you to meet this guy is, my, is a good friend of mine, Shane Holdaway, and he's the CEO of Mission Lane. And uh, we sat next to each other in business school and he called me a year back and he said, I, I heard that you stepped down as COO of Carlots and I was still on the board at the time. He said, are you able to take on another challenge? I said, well, tell me more about it. He says, I just started working with this fintech um, uh, at the time they were working out of San Francisco and, and, and Richmond. And he said, and I think it's right up your alley. What we're trying to do is create a financial services superstore for the underbanked. I said, well, that, that sounds awesome. Why do you think that's right up my alley? I just started, I was selling cars <laughs> a couple months ago. What do you think? He said, no, I know how much you care about closing gaps. I know how yeah. much you care about disruption. I think this will be right for you. Come, come hear me out. Let's talk about this. And as we talked about it, he was absolutely right. And, and I'd always known him to be a thoughtful person. I knew that he had thought through every angle and, and what role I could play in the company, but what this company was set up to do, and again, it started as a credit card issuer with the goal of creating, uh, providing clear and transparent credit terms for people who had traditionally been left behind by traditional credit issuers, uh, but to expand beyond that and create the other products that can help to wrap that community up and give them a chance to actually improve their financial lives and, and not just do it from a buzzwordy mission statement place, but like to have real financial impact. And that really was the big focus area for me at the time was that, you know, given the, the good fortune that I had and the things that I'd learned along the way, the car lots experience really had taught me that, you know, however high you aim, like if you just suspend your disbelief, like anything could happen, like what would you actually aim to solve? And this is, this is that kind of gnarly problem that, yeah, with the growing wealth and financial inequity problems that we have, like if I could have some, uh, some hand in, in, in resolving some of those challenges. Yeah, I, I, I think it's such a, an important area to focus on. And I'm, I'm really glad that, that you're, you're tackling this one. Um, mm-hmm. It's an area that I would say that any young person who's tried to rent or buy or get a credit card or d- do really anything financially, you've suddenly kind of realized the obstacles that, that exist to get good credit. And then you apply that actually outside of people that might have an education and it becomes even more difficult. And it seems like the hurdles really are almost preposterous because you can have a person that really comes from a very, you know, maybe a, um, uh, you know, not highly educated background, but actually pays their bills on time is actually a good person. It seems like those people should be able to get credit. No, <laughs> there, there are pockets in our community. I mean, that's an excellent point. I mean, you, not, not only are disadvantaged people having a hard time getting credit, there, there are folks that come over here on H-1B visas and have six-figure jobs that can't get a credit card or a car loan, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so it's like, yeah, that that's broken, right? Like just this idea of, of the underbank is, you know, while there's a high correlation uh, you know, with, with poverty in some cases and being unbanked, that's not 100% the case. I mean, there are a lot of people that earn well and do have high levels of what we would now consider financial literacy and still can't get credit. So, so the system has to, has to evolve and I'm pumped to be a part of it. That's great. So, I mean, clearly we see the world of banking evolving and, and I think we've, we've hit on the need for this type of, of, of solution today. Um, how, how is Mission Lane um, tackling these things? And you said you're working on expanding that core, those core sets of services 
Uh, what, what areas are you guys moving into? Yeah, I think when you when you broadly look at the top 10 things that people need to have a healthy financial life, and you think about the jobs that your money that you need your money to do, you need access to credit, you need to be able to store and move money or transfer money, maybe overseas or something like that. You need to be able to build savings and grow it. You might need money to build to, to, for housing or, or to, to, to get a car for transportation more broadly. So when you when you look at that 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 suite of offerings that you'll need, that's really the job. It's like how do we best serve whether building, buying, partnering with other products. How do we fill those needs to serve our core base? And that's what's exciting about it is because, as you mentioned, right now, there's so much momentum to think about these things in different ways than we ever have before. When I say savings to people now, they think about, yeah, like a savings account, a CD, you know, maybe you think about retirement savings or specific use case savings. But now there are actually a growing number of fintechs that are focused exclusively on emergency savings mm-hmm. because we'll see statistics like 40 percent of Americans couldn't come up with $400 cash in an emergency. But there's mm-hmm. no tax advantage to building emergency savings. There's right. no safety net for emergency savings. So the fact that people are now putting technology and innovation towards these problems, that creates a lot of opportunities. So to be able to look at that green field and say, what can we plug and play and build in this space is a really exciting challenge and I'm excited to have. Wow, that's a really, really good point. I, I, I love that. Well, so listen, I mean, it's been a crazy year we've lived through over the last uh, 12 months. And um, I, I asked this question to a lot of my guests, because uh, you know, I think it's important that we kind of look inward a little bit and and think about you know why why we do what we do, but also what 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 gives us joy and and how are we giving joy to others and in in, in the, with the people that we work with. Yeah. So what what's making you happy these days? You know, I'll tell you, it was it, it was a very interesting year, and, and and in the beginning it was it was very difficult for me. I'll tell you, it was it was not just the shutdown of everything, but it was the uncertainty and the fear and what was going on. And it was actually a fight, not, not to take our conversation down a dark path, but in the very beginning of this, there was a period of time where over a span of two or three weeks, I had known someone personally who had passed away from COVID. Like mm. every couple of days, I would get a call or an email. Yeah. And when that happened, it just kind of brought me inward and said, you know, I had this energy that I just wanted to share. And with this reminder that now I've got this time because I've been given this gift of space because of the COVID, uh, that I later interpret as such, but also this reminder that life is finite. Um, I actually put a lot of energy in, into a book project, project. So I wrote a book during COVID uh, called Suspended. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I wrote this book really as a give back to younger people because I've read a lot of data specifically on this financial inclusion and equity piece and just on making better life choices that said that the choices you make by age 24 have a huge determination on how the rest of your life turns out. So I targeted to that audience and just started sharing things, just started recalling stories from my life, lessons that I've learned and documenting them and collaborating with other people to, to edit and help me publish this project. And I was able to finally uh, publish it uh, just a few weeks back, you know, right after that year. So, so I'm really pumped about that because that to me was, you know, it was great. I was able to, I was excited to make lemonade out of the lemons that we, that we had gotten, but I'm also glad that uh, what I was able to, to birth from that pro- product or that time was something that. I can now share with the world. So uh, I've shipped a bunch uh, and, and you can learn more at my website, www.aaronmontgomery.com. But, uh, but, it, but it's, it's a really exciting project for me. And I'm just, I'm just glad that I had that opportunity. So really, I, I see, you know, that you all worked at Amazon at one point in your career. I, 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 is, am I going to be able to see this on Amazon? <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it on my personal website because for every book that people buy, I give one away. I'm signing every one that I, that I, that I sell, but I'm giving them away because I, I was very intentional about this audience, but I'm also very intentional about wanting to give as, as many away as I can. And, 
And the economics on Amazon don't allow as much of that. So, so I'm doing, I'm, I'm actually doing this as a personal effort right now because of this window. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be available on Amazon soon, on Kindle, audiobook, and everywhere else that you can get books. But for right now, there's an opportunity to be a part of this. That's, that's great. Congratulations yeah. on that. You. And I, I think that that's a, 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 a key book and I'm excited to, to, to read through it. So, so as you think forward, Aaron, over, let's say, I feel like actually the last year makes it harder sometimes to think about the future, but um, let's, let's, let's kind of be uh, less ambitious and just say over the next 18 months, how do you see things evolving? I think that there's going to be a new commitment to connection and and intimacy in, in different ways. And I'm really excited about, I think that we're starting to see that in legislation and policy and innovation, that there's a new layer of empathy that people have. They're like, I've seen people, I've seen them at their lowest. I can't go back to that. So I want to, I want to be able to help people. I want to connect with them. I want to be able to provide for people in a new way. And I think that's going to be a fun wave to ride. You know, I, I, I caught up with a friend. We're socially distanced. We're sitting outside. We're having a drink. I hadn't seen him in 14 months, but the whole time we're like, can you imagine what it would be like when we can have brunch again, you know, support yeah. our local community and, and, and be in these businesses and just do what we used to do. We'll never take it for granted. We'll do it a totally different way. We'll be more mindful and more, more committed. So I'm excited for what that wave brings for everything, innovation, yeah. and, you know, policy, legislation, everything. Uh, and I think that's going to be fun to watch. So not only do I think we'll be roaring twenties and that we'll be having a lot of parties, <laughs> <laughs> I think we are going to blow the lid off in a lot of areas of the yeah, somebody asked me about that the other day, and they said, "Well, what do you think is going to happen when when uh, the majority of people have had the vaccine?" I said, "I think it's going to be like you know, you you, you read about like the Amish having the whatever it's like rum, rum springer. Rum springer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm like, this is going to be like rum springer. Like people <laughs> like are going to the- lose their minds. Yeah. So um, that's amazing." Well, listen, it's been great to talk to you. Today, we've been talking to Aaron Montgomery. Aaron Montgomery is the Chief Strategy Officer of Mission Lane. He is also the co-founder of Carlots, a publicly listed company on the NASDAQ. And now, uh, after COVID, an author. Um, so, Aaron, where can people find this book? What's, what, what's your URL? Visit my website, www.aaronmontgomery.com. So AaronMontgomery.com. Aaron, it's been amazing to have you on Uncaged today. Uh, Uncaged is a show that gives a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the commerce of tomorrow. And definitely for this conversation that we've had today with Aaron, you can clearly see why, why we're featuring him on the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.